Our key scripture is found in Luke chapter 12, verse 1. If you're new to us, I always give you a key scripture, and it kind of is a summary or at least an identifi- identifiable point to the message for that weekend. And, uh, and I have taught you that if you'll just mark in your Bible, memorize, uh, acknowledge uh, the key scripture every week, and kind of get that down in your heart and your mind and your soul, you'll know more, more Bible than 90% of American Christians. Because in, in a year, you'll have 52 weeks of having key scriptures in you and getting the Word of God down in you. And uh, if you do nothing else, at least get that going in your life. So if you found Luke chapter 12 and verse 1, that's where we're going to start. That's our key passage. And it says, be, this is Jesus speaking, be on your guard against against the yeast of the Pharisees, which is hypocrisy. Father, I pray over the next couple moments that you would help me, Lord God, to be what you need me to be for your people. Lord God, I thank you, Lord Jesus, that you will begin to enlighten, inspire, Lord, bring understanding, bring deliverance, and Lord, more than anything, give us an action plan on how we can walk uprightly before you today. Lord, I ask you, Lord God, to get all the credit and all the glory, and Lord, I declare in front of all of our people, Lord God, it won't offend me one bit if you begin to give supernatural downloads to men and women as they sit here under the word, and they never hear a thing that I say as long as they engage with you. In fact, Jesus, I declare that I'm nothing more than an extension cord, plugged into you on one end, plugged into them on the other end, your power flowing through me to touch them. Lord, no one talks about, oh, that's a fine extension cord. Wow, that's a nice. No, we talk about, Lord God, the power that comes to light up our world. And Lord, you are the great power. You are the great source. And we give ourselves completely to you today in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen and amen. If we can look back in this Luke chapter 1, uh, chapter 12 and verse 1 passage, let's actually review a little bit further up from where we read. We'll back up to earlier part in verse 1. It says, meanwhile, when a crowd of many thousands had gathered, so that there were trampling on one another, Jesus began to speak first to his disciples, saying, Be on your guard against the yeast of the Pharisees, which is hypocrisy. This passage tells us that there's this moment when all of a sudden thousands of people begin to gather and they are trampling each other just to see Jesus. They're somewhere in their First, probably moving into their second year of being with Jesus. The disciples have been following probably right at a year, maybe a little bit further. It's, not, it's, not, it's a little unclear. But they've been going at this ministry thing for, for some time now, and it's finally starting to work. Can you imagine that? They've been praying for this. I mean, when they left their homes and their moms and dads and started following Jesus the, the, and said, we found the Messiah, their families probably thought, you're crazy as a loon. You're, 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 you're chasing a cult or something like that. And all of a sudden, in this moment, we see one of these key moments where the crowd say, he's the Messiah, let's go get him, let's go find him, let's go hear from him, let's go get him to heal us. I mean, they've been grinding it out, loving people, and going from city to city, and now all of a sudden, the crowds come running out. In fact, scholars believe there was somewhere between ten and 20,000 people in this moment to the place that they are trampling over each other. Come on, have you ever been at a football game or a concert where they start trampling each other? It is a scary feeling. When, when, you know, uh, we're from Louisiana, and so LSU on a Saturday night is a crazy environment. They call it Death Valley. It is crazy. A bunch of drunk Cajuns having a good time is not a good time. I'm going to tell you that right now. And they will run you over in the parking lot. They will, they will be out in that par- uh, you know, parking lot, you know, burning hot dogs and, and crawfish and whatever else they can cook out there. And it is a ma- it's mass hysteria. That's kind of the picture here. In the middle of all of this, now you've got to understand, the Romans did not allow allowed them to have large gatherings. 
because the Romans uh, were, had conquered you know, most of the known world at that point, and, uh, and they had allowed these other groupings of people, other nations, if you will, to keep some of their culture. And so what would happen periodically, there would be these revolts, and they would gather around, and, and we hate the Romans, hate the Romans, hate the Romans, and they would create this revolt scenario, and so the Romans would have to come and literally kill people off to, to, to snuff out that revolt. And so anytime a gathering of people got large, all of a sudden, here would come the army, and they would literally shut them down. So it's a miracle that this was even transpiring, that this even could be pulled off, and that Jesus himself was not taken and imprisoned. This is how God is at work, even in the midst. I and mean, we see this right now even in China. We see this in Cuba. The church cannot have large gatherings because, because uh, the, the government doesn't want them to because they don't want them to revolt against the governmental system. And so that's kind of the scenario that this is happening. So I want you to picture in your mind, you're one of the 12 disciples, Jesus is there, and they start coming. And they're coming by the thousands. And you're like, it's happening. It's happening. See, uh, see, I told you he was the Messiah. Yes, validation. Validation for what we've been doing for the last year. Yes, the miracles are now getting, getting promoted out there. Finally, someone saw that Facebook post. Yes, finally this thing is happening. And so the moment should be one of like high-fiving. Yes, this is awesome. Jesus should be like, I told y'all what I've been trying to tell y'all. Try to tell you. I don't know what y'all been worried about. I told you, I told you, I told you I was gonna change the world. I don't know what the problem is. That's not at all what he does. In this moment, they're coming, they're surrounding them. Jesus, the Bible says, speaks directly to his disciples, and look what he says. He says to them, he gives them a warning: be on your guard against the yeast of the Pharisees, which is hypocrisy. In fact, if you go study Matthew's account of this. We're looking at the Luke account, but if you go study the Matthew account of this, they get confused. They think, they think he's mad at them because they did not get enough supplies for dinner that day. They're like, oh, man, he's mad because we didn't. I, I, we should have got that bread at the last Circle K when we went past it, but we was in a hurry, and we didn't stop. So they think that he's mad at them. And actually, later, he has to tell them, what are, you, are you out of your mind? That's not at all what I'm talking about. I'm talking about be careful. Be on your guard against the yeast of the Pharisees. I've titled today, Guard Your Love. Would you say that with me? Guard Your Love. See, as a Christian, the reason why we're a Christian is because we love Jesus. Everything from the enemy's camp is to try to steal that love and, and, and somehow get in, inside of that love and cause that love to literally be lost, to be abandoned, to be uh, infiltrated with wickedness and disease. And this literally is what Jesus is talking about. He's standing there. The supernatural is happening. The joy and sincerity of their faith is happening. The real love for God is transpiring. And he looks around and he says, come here. He says, listen, listen. Be careful of the yeast of the Pharisees. See, I don't know if you can grasp this, but most people that I have found are hypocritical did not start hypocritical. You talk about those fake preachers on TV and those these and that and so anyone you ever interviewed that knew them in the beginning said man they were pure they were the real deal and I don't know what happened but man it started so awesome and Jesus was so the center of it and then something happened and I, we didn't even know it was happening a little bit over time and Jesus actually brings this out to his disciples he says listen this is pure this is awesome but be on your guard because the Pharisees, they started pure. They started righteous. And then what happened was somewhere along the way, the yeast got in. Come on, somebody. The sinfulness got in, and it began to pollute them. And now look how hypocritical they are. And he literally brings out this term, if you will, yeast. 
uh, or leaven as, as King James would have called it. And you and I, you know, we probably don't talk about this a whole lot because most of us do not take all ingredients and create our food every day, three meals a day. But in biblical times, they would buy ingredients. They would trade ing ingredients, flour. They would, they would trade cornmeal and things like that. But for the most part, they would take the ingredients and they would make their food. You and I just go to the store and buy what they already made for us. So we don't really use a lot of ingredients. Some of you have become foodies, and, and now you're all healthy and stuff, and so you're going to put this on it, you're going to put this on it, and you're going to do all that. And the rest of us, like, we barely swing through McDonald's at the last minute and stuff that in the back. Eat that, kid. we got to go somewhere, all right? And so, so that's typical Americanism right there. But in these days, the reason why Jesus uses this word yeast, because in biblical communication, this word yeast represented corruption. We see it all throughout the Old Testament and even into the New Testament. 90% of the time when this word yeast is being used, it's referring to imagery of corruption. And, and you know, you see the, the Jewish language, Hebrew language, is literally a pictorial language. And so, and so the words literally have a picture concept, like, kind of like Chinese does. They have these images. And so, and so they would use words that had a, had a picture. And so Jesus is trying to pictorially help them understand uh, when, when using the word yeast what actually happens. And so since you and I probably don't use a lot of yeast, or you may not cook like that. Let me kind of give you the breakdown of what transpires. So yeast is rotted dough. It's dough that you were making something with, and this is how they would get it. And then they would set it aside, or they'd forget about it, or they'd lose it, it'd fall down, and it began to rot. It, it would begin to ferment. And then what would happen is if they wanted that bread to rise, they would take that yeast, that rotted dough, and they would put it in the new fresh dough, and they would work it through, and they would just kind of, you know, back and forth with their hands, and it would ultimately completely rot the rest of the dough. And as you put it, when you put the fire to it, it would cause it to it flame up, and it would cause it to rise. And so it's that whole process of yeast. See, what yeast, yeast is, is fermented. It is broken. It is rotted. And then it, it has a, a, a power that other things don't have. What yeast does is when it touches something healthy, it begins to rot it. So the moment the rotted dough touches healthy dough, if you will, it begins to rot it. And it's that imagery that Jesus is talking about. He's saying, listen, be careful of the yeast. Be on your guard. He uses very strong language. Be on your guard against the yeast. That which you don't even see. Because yeast, as you begin to, as it touches regular dough, you don't even recognize the difference between rotted, ye, rotted dough and fresh dough. And it just begins, it, it gets there in there, and it's not a color differentiation or anything like that. But it immediately begins to break down the properties of that which is healthy. And so all throughout Scripture, they use it as a warning. Be careful. Be careful of the unseen sin. Be careful of the things that no one else can see that begins to rot the goodness of your love for God. This is always about our love for God. When people preach on sin and things like that, a lot of times they make it some obscure thing that you and I need to stop doing. Well, if I could stop doing it, I would. This is not so much about what I do, this is about what I love. This is where sin comes in, is that we begin to love and allow something else to steal our love from the living God. In fact, we see this as one of Satan's key tactics, right? The Bible says he came to steal kill and destroy. We find all throughout scripture that Satan's big plan, when we become Christians, when we follow God, when we fall in love with Jesus, that his big plan is somehow to steal that love. I want to take your affection. Have you ever been in love with someone and someone else stole them away from you? How much anger? The Bible, that's why the Bible calls him a jealous God. He's a jealous God. Why? Because you will not take what I love. That, you will not steal what I love. But he gave us free will so we can choose to love him or not love him. And what happens over time, if we're not careful, the yeast gets in, 
and our love begins to grow cold and we don't even realize it. Our affections begin to chase after other things. In fact, from the very beginning, Satan has had three tactics, three, if you will, three yeasting tactics. It's, it's, from the, it's common. Each and every one of us have felt them. And I want to bring you to this passage of Scripture that literally helps you see the tactics that the enemy tries to use to leaven you, if you will, with, sick, uh, with wickedness. 1 John chapter 2 and verse 15. There you go. It's on the screen. You can turn in your Bibles there. 1 John chapter 2 and verse 15 through 16. Do not love the world. Everybody say amen. You can do better than that. Do not love the world. Are the things in the world, if anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. So what he's saying is, listen, you can't love the world and love God. So you start loving God, and all of a sudden, the love of the world, you have to make a decision between it. Will I, love the, will I love the things of this world, or will I love God, the living, the Father who saved me and transformed my life? That's this whole passage, right? And it continues on, for all that is in the world, and he lays out, if you will, the seeding are the yeasting tactics of the enemy all that is in this world the lust of the flesh the lust of the eyes and the pride of life is not of the father but is of the world so he gives us if you will in this passage this is how satan's going to try to steal your love from me this is how he's going to try to put a little bit of yeast in there he's going to try to so your love for me is sincere hey look at all these people see how sincere they are disciples look how sincere you are but be careful guard against the yeasting it's going to happen. Satan's going to throw a little bit of yeast in there. And you're, before you know it, lust of the eyes, lust of the flesh, pride of life. So let me break down those three for you just a little bit so you can see, wow, that's what I've been fighting. Wow, that's been what's been trying to steal my love. And so number one, the lust of the flesh. Now, lust of the flesh, if you will, is pleasure-driven. All throughout Scripture, we, when they refer to the lust of the flesh, we see pleasure-driven, gratification, uh, especially that which is sensual or sexual. The Bible says it like this, in the last days, men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. That's what we're dealing with in this generation. Entire generation that is hooked on porn. Entire generation that's hooked on pleasure-seeking. Everything from alcohol to substances that makes them, just, just brings them pleasure addicted to that why that has been seeded that has been that has been yeasted into the even christians you can see them that, i mean they just can't even enjoy god's presence anymore because all these other things are happening in their brain and their heart all these other loves are divisive inside of their heart so they can't be single focused and love god because man i also love this Ooh, and i enjoy this oh and the pleasure i get in fact that's more pleasurable than church is pleasurable than god's presence is pleasurable and the reason that is is because they've been seeded with the yeast, if you will, of the lust of the flesh. Lust of the eyes. Lust of the eyes, really, it, it's indicating the desires for the finer things of life. That money, that house, that nice technology, those cars, all those things. The lust of the, the flesh, the things that, man, everybody else got one, I want some. Man, I, I can't tell you how many times I've, I've watched Christians begin to dream about having what, what everybody else has. Oh, it's just, I just wish I had that. Oh, if I could only have that. And what that is, is that yeast that's been seeded in there and it's just working through the dough and you don't even realize that which was pure, that which was holy has now been seeded with that which is corrupt. And it begins, the Bible says it will be, that, that yeast begins, that leaven begins to work its way through the whole, uh, every bit of the dough. I mean, it just works its way. Everything it touches, that yeast, everything it begins to corrupt, right, that spot right then and there. The lust of the eyes. That which I want that I cannot have, that I, that, that I wish I had. Can I tell you something? Your car is just fine. Your house is just great. 
You don't have to lust and care for, if only I had one that did that. If only I had what I did that. Listen, friend, can I just tell you something? God wants to bless you. He wants to favor you. That's not talking about increasing, moving forward. But just can you and I just realize that don't let the lust of the eyes get in there and we start longing for something. I can remember in the, in the moments of my life, lust of the eyes. I remember wanting what they were wanting and dressing the way they were dressing. And, and how do I get that? And, oh, I didn't have the same watch that they had. And so I need to go buy me one of those, getting all kinds of debt just to so I can look like them and act like them. And the Bible literally says these are the three big tactics of the enemy. He's going, to use, he's going to use the lust of the eyes and the lust of the flesh. And then the third one that he likes to use, and that is the pride of life. The pride of life. And that simply is the desire for power, authority, honor, titles. Do you know I have a doctorate degree? That is awesome. Thank you for working so hard. Well, I should be treated differently. Okay, well, Jesus said that the Son of Man not, did not come to be served, but to serve and lay his life down as a ransom for many. You know how you know that the pride of life has been seated in you? Because you cannot say you're sorry. And you refuse to forgive those who've done you wrong. In fact, we see it of all the sins that man commits, this one, this pride, is the one that God gets the most angry and frustrated about. In fact, his Holy Scripture says this, I resist the proud, but I'll give grace to the humble. In fact, we have multiple places in Scripture. One, one, one Jesus telling a parable said these two men were sitting there and they were worshiping before the Lord. And the first one beats his chest. He says, I'm a wicked sinner and I don't deserve to even be in your presence. The other one looks over at that guy and says, he's a wicked sinner. He doesn't deserve to be in your presence, Lord. But I, on the other hand, I am faithful to tithe. I lead a small group. I do this. I do that. And Jesus says, which one of those walked away justified? The one who beat his chest and said, Lord, I recognize I'm a sinner. And I need your grace. The one who had pride and arrogance went away full of shame and full of difficulty, rejected by the Lord our God. Friend, can I, want, can I help you understand something? When you and I get seated with the pride of life, it affects our relationships with our spouses, with our children, our coworkers. The reason why a lot of people won't connect with small group life with us is because they don't want to admit what they're going through. They know if they get inside a relationship, that they're going to have to own the fact, yeah, I don't really read my Bible. Somebody's going to ask me that, and I just don't want to own that. I just don't want to talk to them about that. Yep, I don't have it all together, but I want to pretend I do. He says, reject, guard against the yeast of the Pharisees, which is hypocrisy. See, hypocrisy has two parts. It's you and I pretending to be something that we're not and not owning the fact that we're weak in something that we're weak in. That's really all hypocrisy is. It's pretending to be something we're not and not owning the fact that we're weak in an area that we're weak in. And can I just help you right now for everybody in this room, everybody watching live stream, we are all sinners saved by grace, including this guy right here. I am not perfect. I do not, I do not float on air. I, I'm just like you every morning, like, Jesus, i got to read that Bible again. Oh, we can do it. I'm going to try so hard, get better. Uh, just like you, i got to be nice to this guy. I can't stand this guy. Lord, I love him by faith in Jesus' name. We're all just sinners saved by grace. Are you with me? Say yes. So we might as well just own it and not pretend that we're something that we're not. Are you there? Say yes. Authenticity. When you and I have pride in our life, we cannot forgive others. I just watched an 18-year-old teach the world what it looks like to forgive. I just watched, and I sat there and wept as I watched that young man. If you don't know what I'm talking about, if you haven't been following the Amber Geiger thing, you know, the police officer who went into another man's apartment and killed that man. And they've been back and forth, trials and that, and whether, whether she got enough years or not, I, I don't have anything to do with any of that. But I watched the young man, Bryant is his name, Bryant John, the younger brother of the young man, Bo, who was murdered. 
I watched him as they played back the video footage on the stand. And this girl, Amber, had asked, this police officer asked the family to forgive her after she gave her a little speech. And then he sat there in the microphone, and not only did he say he forgave her, he asked the judge, he said, can I, can I hug her? The judge didn't know what to do. Like, what? Can I hug her? I watched an interview with him later. ABC did an interview with him, and, and, and he said a couple critical things. He said, number one, he said, uh, this is what you're asked to do to save your life. 18-year-old, this, this is what the Bible says to save your life you have to do. You have to forgive and he went on to say, because, because I know God forgives me when I ask, so how can I not forgive others when they ask for forgiveness? 18-year-old. Crazy. Crazy. His brother, was in a, his brother was murdered. It was wrong. It was wicked. And he has, yes, he has pain in his heart, but he forgets. See, that is humility, friend. In fact, let me just show you a little clip of what he had to say uh, when Michael asked him about, you know, what he thought other people would think about his actions. Go ahead and play that for him just for a second. What do you hope others learn from that moment in court? Because, you know, a lot of everyone has been talking about this moment. I think there's, there's something there for everyone to, to take from it. And what do you hope that people learn from that moment? This is what you have to do to set yourself free. You know, I didn't really plan on um, living the rest of my life, you know, hating this woman. I know that there's something called peace of mind, and that's the, that's the type of stuff you need to do to have peace of mind. That is why I wake up happy in the morning. That is why I want to live happy later on in my life. Unbelievable. He, what he's saying in church language is, I'm not going to let bitterness control the rest of my days. Because I know hating someone, I know not forgiving someone really is arrogance and pride. But when I humble myself and I forgive, it sets me free. I'm not going to live the rest of my life but worried about what someone else did or controlling me. And now I'm an angry, bitter person. I'm going to walk in freedom. Friend, that is humility. And he has taken the yeast of pride and thrown it out of his life and said, you will not seed me. You will not corrupt the rest of who I am. Friend, that is powerful. Lust of the flesh. Lust of the eyes and the pride of life. Satan's been using this tactic from the very beginning. In fact, look in, the, look in this passage with me in Genesis chapter 3. Look what he does. You can find it laid out here in the original sin moment, in the original fallen state in the garden when Adam and Eve ate of the fruit. And it says, and when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, lust of the flesh, and that it was pleasant to the eyes, lust of the eyes, and a tree to be desired to make one wise, the pride of life, she took of the fruit therefore and did eat and also and gave also unto her husband with her and he did eat this was his tactic from the beginning when he took Jesus up on the mountainside he did the same thing lust of the lust of the flesh lust of the eyes the pride of life if you and I could just recognize his tactics then you and I would actually know what to guard against if you and I could just recognize, wait a minute, Satan is after me. He is trying to steal my love for God. This young man just taught me. He, taught, he preached to more people than I'll ever preach to in one moment. His one moment of forgiveness and being a real Christian. And that woman was wrong. What she did was satanic and wicked and horrible and terrible. And whether it was a mistake or perfect, I don't know because I wasn't in the courtroom through all that. But at the end of the day, that young man would come here. I love you and I forgive you. And that, my friend, is the greatest message that's been preached in a long time in the United States. I'm going to do it right now. 
Why? Because he knew better than to let his heart, his love for God, be stolen because of what someone else did. He would not let that pride, he would not let that pain get down inside him and seed him. Friend, can you and I begin to learn to guard against it? See, most of the time, you guys are coming to us as pastors and say, I just need you to help me, man. I'm losing my marriage. I just need you to pray. I'm losing my mind. Friend, you know why? You're spending so much time fixing and replacing what you should have been guarding. See, if you would guard it, then you don't have to replace it. Come on. If you, have you ever been robbed? Have you ever been robbed? I've been robbed a number of times. Do you know, do you remember when you got robbed last or you came home and something was stolen or you went out to your car and someone took something from you? Do you remember the feeling? Do you remember your reaction? First off, it made you mad. Do you realize Satan is stealing your love for God? You should be ticked off. That you, are, you have been seated with lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. You should be so angry at the enemy's plan to steal your love from the living God. Do you understand why we love God? Because he first loved us. Do you understand this is all about love? When I came to Christ, I said to him, I love you. You are the center of my world. I, I give my whole self to you because you gave your whole self to me. This is this love engagement. The enemy's constantly trying to see disunity. This, this, this he wants to break me and Jesus apart. He's constantly trying to bring lust of the eyes, lust of the flesh, and pride of life into my life and yeast me, if you will, and cause that to grow and expand and take precedence over my love for the Father. This is constant. And what does the word say? And the love of the Father is not in you. When these things begin to activate, it pushes out the love for the Father. And your love begins to be about what kind of car you got. What kind of, what kind of how many people are following you on social media. How, how much pleasure you derive from that stuff you've been doing. And that stuff that you've been, you know, keep. And then you got to have more of it and more of it and more of it. Because you become numb to what, you, what used to give you pleasure is not giving you pleasure anymore. Why? Because it's an endless cycle of yeasting, of destroying your, expanding in that which is not even there. There's no real substance to it. And this is what Jesus is talking about. When he looks these men in the face, he says, listen, see how pure this is? Careful. Guard against the yeast. Guard against it. It's coming. Guard against it. This is pure right now. But guard against it. Friend, can I tell you something? We have spent too much time trying to fix, repair, and replace that which has been stolen instead of guarding that which is precious. If you and I would guard it, then it won't be stolen. Are you with me? Most of us are spending more time restoring and replacing than we are guarding. And I don't know about you, but I need God's help to help me, to help me guard against what the enemy's trying to steal. And that's our love between us and the Father. Are you with me today? Say yes. So I want to teach you just a couple thoughts. Just a couple, I'm going to put them in kind of some, some fun language. A couple thoughts on how you and I can be a good guard. Be a good guard. You ready to be a good guard? Say yes. Do you love Jesus? Say yes. Do you really love Jesus? Say yes. yes. When I open this up, I ask you if you love Jesus. And I believe you do. So I want to teach you how to guard that love. So here's number one. You ready? Write this down. This will help you. To be a good guard, number one, what you're guarding has to be valuable to you. What you're guarding has to be valuable to you. Come on. You ever met a security guard that didn't want to be there? <laughs> I'm a, <laughs> you know, they're like, <laughs> give me the money. You got it, bro. I don't care. <laughs> Okay, none about this stuff. This is just a job. Oh, this ain't valuable to me. You know, you can have it. I don't care. Steal all of it. I, it ain't mine. I don't care. You, ha you have to, what you're guarding has to be valuable to you. Is your love for God valuable to you? Is his love for you valuable? It has to be the most valuable substance of life. My love relationship with the Father. I, I, when I went to marry Jamie, I looked at her. 
Because I'm coming into a deep covenant relationship with another human being. And I looked her in the eyes and I said, listen, I want you to know something. I would rather be found dead than to love you more than the one who saved my soul. She looked at me. She said, I would rather be found dead than to love you more than the one who, who saved my soul. I said, well, we're a good match. Let's go. People always ask, do y'all have trouble with marriage? We don't really have a lot of troubles. We, we hardly ever agree. But we don't have a lot of troubles. You say, why don't you have a lot of troubles? Because I go, Dad, you see what she's doing? And she's over there, Dad, you see what she's doing? And Dad spanks me, spanks her, and says, now y'all be nice to each other. And we go, all right, and we come back together. Because I love him more than life itself. What will you do when they begin to put you in jail because you, quote, love Jesus, and that's a hate crime against another group of people? What will you do? How do you love? You have to guard that love. You have to guard it with all that you have. That means you've got to watch out for everything that's trying to steal that love. I, I have this little piece of property that I've been working on, a little house in a, a little fun part of town, and, and uh, the neighbor has this fence that's all, you know, grown over and this kind of stuff, and their, their property's right on top of my little property. So I'm over there working on it the other day, and I go to walk past the fence, and all of a sudden I can hear it coming. <laughs> And this fence is only about this high, one of these little chain link fence. But it's got growth all over it, so you can't really see what's on the side. And all of a sudden, all of a sudden, rah, 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 and this pit bull with a head that big. And I'm right here. He's right there. And I'm like, ah! And I promise you, I said, buddy, I don't want nothing in your yard. You can keep it. I'm good. I'm not coming over there. You don't come over here because I'll put a bullet in your head, but you stay over there. You stay over there, have your stuff, I'll have my stuff. Frank, can I tell you something? That's what you got to be with your love for God. Satan! He's like, whoa, all right, you, I'm, I'm going to go find some other people to see if you go ahead, you got that. That has to be, you got to love him like I'm telling you right now. Here's the second thing you got to learn to do, and that is you got to refuse distractions. Nothing makes me more mad to go to the bank and the security guard's over there playing on his phone. Like, bruh, won't you pay attention? Whatever Candy Crush level you're at, stop it. Dude, I don't know who's in here about to rob all of us, man. Come on now. You've got to refuse distractions. This is one of the key enemy's plans. That's how he's able to seed that pride. That's how he's able to seed that lust of the eyes, that lust of the flesh. Because we get so distracted by, oh, that's beautiful. It's so wonderful. So one, it's so awesome. I can't tell you how many people I prayed, oh God, give them a new job, and they'll come back. God gave us a new job. It's awesome. We're making so much money. Pastor, thank you so much. And I never see them again. They got distracted with the gift from God. They made it, if you will, the love of their life. This all comes back to what we love. And he will distract you and confuse you. Pastor Chris gave me permission to tell his story. Uh, a week, week and a half ago, I think it is now, Pastor Chris uh, Hart, uh, <clears throat> he and his uh, beautiful wife, Miss Donna, they went to visit their son 
in, uh, in, in Paris. He lives in Paris, France. And so if you've ever been to Europe, you know they don't. They walk everywhere and they take public transportation. They're not like fat Americans who drive everywhere. So, and so most of them, you know, especially in the big cities, don't even own a vehicle. So, so they were riding one of the public transits. And Pastor Chris said this group of French guys, you know, uh, uh, got, uh, got around them where they were sitting and began talking to them in broken English and, and started telling man, you're so nice. You're a cool American. Pastor Chris said, I was like, yes, yes, I am. This is awesome. He said, and they, and they touched, touched his, 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 his little chain necklace that he had. That's really nice. Oh, what's that about? And then they put their hand on his back and, and patted him on the back and rubbed his back. And he's like, man, these French guys are nice. This is awesome. And he said, and all of a sudden, you know, the public transit, the, the doors open and these four or five guys just go running out real fast. Well, that's awkward. Look at them. They were so nice and now they're gone. And he went to reach for his iPhone and it's gone. What they were doing was distracting him, touching him right here and right here while they were reaching down and grabbing his phone out of his back pocket. That's what the enemy wants to do. He wants to get you distracted from what really matters. Can I tell you something? That's great that you have a nice new car. That's awesome that you have a new, nice new house. But Jesus Christ is Lord. He's the love of my life. He's the jo he is the joy of my being. He is the focus of who I am and what I live for. And you've got to keep that focus and not let the enemy steal it from you. Are you there? Say yes. Look at Hebrews chapter 12 says, Let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. And let us fix our eyes on Jesus. Everybody say, fix your eyes. Do it better. Say, fix your eyes, fix your eyes. on Jesus. Put your eyes on I don't know if any of you ever run track. Anybody in here ran track back in high school, back in the day? Some of you still running from the law. There you go. I know, I'm with you. So, so, so what did your track coach teach you? The track coach taught you as soon as you started running, where did he tell you to look? Or where did she tell you to look the whole time? Look at the stands. Is that what they taught you? Stare at your feet because you don't want to stumble under them. Is that what they taught you? Stare up into heaven because God is the only one going to help you win this race. Is that what they taught you? What did they tell you to do? Look at the finish line. Don't take your eyes off of it. Run after that. Whatever's happening over here or over there, you don't care. Just keep your eyes fixed on Jesus. Can I tell you, we get so distracted. Why are you distracted by whether or not they're going to fire you? You have no control over it. Just fix your eyes on Jesus. Keep running. Keep running. Don't let that, don't let that bitterness and, uh, under the auspices of pride get inside of you. Don't you worry about that. You just keep fixing your eyes. Jesus, you are good. You're awesome. I'm, I'm running after you. It doesn't matter what happens here. You got me in my life in the palm of your hand. I love you. You love me. You will take care of me. You will put, put me at a table. In the presence of my enemies, you will feed me while they're, I'll be sitting there eating like, it's all good. God's got me right here. Isn't that not, is that not what Psalms 23 says? That's what it says. Here's the third thing I would teach you. You still with me? Say yes. You still love me? Say yes. So number one, what, uh, to guard, number one, you gotta, you gotta, uh, what you're guarding has to be valuable. Number two, refuse distractions. And then number three, you have to think like a thief. You got to think like a thief. Some of you, like me, grew up in the hood, so you already think like a thief. <laughs> like, you'll notice, the only time my back is to the door is because I'm sitting with somebody that I know has got a pistol <laughs> and is watching the door for me. Otherwise, when I walk in the room, I sit with my face so I see who's coming in. I lock all my doors and windows. You crazy white people that leave your windows all open and no blinds and we can see down through the middle of your house, you're going to get robbed, I'm going to tell you right now. Because us thieves, ex-thieves, us people from back in the day, we drive by going, look at that TV, right? It look good in my house. You got like to think like the devil is constantly trying to steal from you. What's he trying to steal? Do you think he likes you being, having a good marriage? Are you crazy? Don't you think that he's trying to disrupt that thing? 
Don't you think he's trying to seed confusion and frustration? Think like a thief. What areas is there no light on? This little piece of property that I had the other day, I was working on it. And I bought a sheet of plywood. I was so excited because I was going to build this thing out on the back piece. And I, I didn't have time. I ran out of time. So I left the sheet of plywood right there on, on the carport, on the front, uh, 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 right there at the front of the house. I came back the next day. It was gone. Like, who steals a piece of plywood, like going down the street? I was like, what are you doing? What are you doing? Why would you steal a piece of plywood? It's like, this is stupid to me. And I wised up. I said, all right, I'm going to think like a thief. So you know what I did? I bought security cameras. The property's not even worth security. But I bought some security cameras, and then I stood out, and all the neighbors, yeah, I put some security cameras on this house. Go straight to the detectives who are looking for my piece of plywood. I did. I, I, I pulled over down the street. I knew one of them little ruffians, you know, one of them little dudes. And I was like, hey, man. You see what happened to my plywood? Somebody steals some plywood. Man, I don't know nothing about it. Well, I just, well, it's all right. I'm going to catch them anyway because I done put security cameras all over the house. Now I got, I, when that, what, let them come back. Uh, okay. He's like, why are you telling me this? Mm, I'm just spreading the word. Because I'm thinking like a thief. Come on, somebody. Listen, you got to realize, if you and your son had a little tiff last week, the enemy's going to try to get into that space. You humble yourself. You sit that boy down and say, I love you. And I know you're becoming a man, and I know sometimes daddy's rules or thoughts or stepdad's rules or thoughts seem, seem just brutal to you. Dude, I don't want to be like that. I love you. How can, how can we serve Jesus together? See, humble yourself. Don't let that tactic of pride get inside of you. Understand, a thief is constantly trying to get in there. He's constantly trying to seed, sow, uh, sow seeds of wickedness and try to get you to destroy. Again, remember, we already know his three tactics. Lust of the eyes, lust of the flesh, and pride of life. You already know his top three. So if you would just take time to guard against those, if you just take time and say, Lord, is there any lust of the flesh in me? Do I love anything sensual or sexual more than I love you? Is there anything that I crave pleasure more than you give me pleasure? Lust of the eyes. Lord, is there anything that I'm wanting and, 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 and chasing after that's not you? God, I just don't want it. I want to chase after you. You are the love of my life. Lord, is there any pride in me that I can't see? Shine the light. What do you do? When you know you're being robbed a bunch, you begin to put security lights everywhere where there's darkness. Why? Because light pushes away the darkness. And if you know thieves, thieves don't want to, they don't want to walk into the light. What they want to do is they want to do it under the cover of darkness. That's why Jesus uses yeast as an illustration for the, for the Jewish people's minds. Because yeast, you don't even know it's doing it. It looks like the rest of the dough. It's rotted and it's fermented and you don't even know it's doing it, but it's touching everything else and corrupting it. You and I need to wise up and stop having to repair and replace. I mean, how many marriages do we have to go through before we start guarding the one that God's given us? I mean, how many children do we have to, have to hate us before we start saying, what am I losing? I, I want to guard what's precious. How... how how many times do you have to keep coming down to get somebody to pray with you? You know, you're back looking at the porn. You're back stealing from your work. You're back doing that. Back up. And instead of having to replace and fix, back up and start guarding the preciousness of your love for God and the sincerity of your relationship with Him. Are you with me today? Say yes. Would you stand with me? I hope that's ministered to you. I want to take a moment. See, if you don't guard it, the enemy will steal it. You've got to realize there's a real enemy. A real enemy 
And if you don't guard it, he will steal it. Your relationship with Jesus is precious. You weren't playing a game when you lifted your hand and said, I want Jesus in my life. That wasn't a game. You thought about it. You you came here because you wanted more of God. You keep coming to our church because we're sincere Christians. And you're like, that church right there, they're not playing a game. They're sincere. Friend, can I tell you something? Guard your love. Don't let the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life seed you to where you love that, these, more than you love him. I want you to close your eyes with me across the room. I believe this word was for all of us. I believe it was for me. And I want you, as you have your head bowed and your eye closed, these three areas that the enemy's so good at, he started it in the garden. He even tried to use these tactics on Jesus, and he's still trying to use it on every believer to steal our love. These three areas, if any of them begin seeding you, do, are, 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 you, are you full of pride? You say, I don't really know. Do you have a little bit of it that's starting to affect other things around you? You have a lust of the eyes. Are you chasing after the American dream? You can't enjoy the love that you have for Jesus, love of your family unit. You can't just settle in and say, God is good and life is good. It's the lust of the flesh, pleasure, 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 pleasure. Has it gotten in there? That's the things of this world that First John passage has taught us. Since you can't have both, you can't have the love of the Father and the love of the things of this world, they fight against each other. Today, Jesus wants to help you cut out the yeast. He wants to help you cut that out. Then he wants to raise you up to begin to guard against it. With your head bowed and your eye closed right where you're at, would you take a moment with your God and would you tell him and respond to him and his message to you today? If you've, if you've said, that's me, man, that's me. Daddy, that's me. I've left the lust of the flesh. I've chased after pleasure, pleasure that I got from making more money, the pleasure I got from those, those substances, that pleasure that I got from perversion, that pleasure. I, Lord, I just, I just repent of it right now. I don't want it in my life. I want you. I want you to be the love of my life. Would you just take a moment right there as you stand? Maybe you say, Pastor, I need God to help me. I, this lust of the eyes thing, I just, man, I'm caught up. I want to be the next superstar. I want, to, I want to prove my dad wrong, that I wouldn't be a loser. I have these things pushing me to I keep driving. I keep going forward. I just, I just can't even enjoy God because I don't want, it, I want everybody to have things I don't have. I don't want my kids to be poor like I would. Frank, can I tell you something? That, that's been seeded in you. Love God. Love God. And everything else will take care of itself. Let me ask you something. Could you have gotten down off that stand and hugged that lady and said, I forgive you? No way. Friend, I tell you something, that's pride. We've all been seated with that. It took an 18-year-old to remind us what the love of God looks like. How Jesus hung on a cross, was beaten, was whipped unjustly. Unjustly. It was wrong. And yet he loved. And he said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Father, I pray right now in Jesus' name that as you heal us and you fix us in this holy moment, that we would then rise up and guard that which is precious. That we would guard, guard like, a, like that crazy pit bull next to my house. Just know you will not, Satan. You will not steal my love for God. Jesus said our prayer times will not be religious duties. 
It'll be love relationship. The reading the word will be like, like us having an opportunity to know you and, and this whole book written about you and, and studying you to know you so we can go deeper in our love with you. Oh God, deliver us from the yeast that has been seeded. We don't want to be hypocritical. We don't want to grow older and be like the Pharisees. God, so help us guard now. Awaken us. With your head bowed and your eye closed. Maybe you would say, Pastor, i got to be honest, I'm not a Christian. If I died today, I wouldn't go to heaven. In fact, I'm pretty sure that I don't have the kind of love you're talking about for God. I used to. You know, life happened. You're right. It's like you're preaching to me. It's like these things became the love of my life and I, I lost my love for God. Friend, I want you to know that love is not completely dead or you wouldn't even come here today. You wouldn't even step through these doors. You want God. You love Him. But you do need to repent of your sin. Maybe you say, Pastor, I've never been a Christian. Never known God. But today, as you talk about the living Savior, I want that. I, I want that relationship that you've described, alluded to, pointed out. I want that. I don't want to spend eternity separated. I want to spend forever with the living God. The Bible says this, if you'll confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that He is the Christ, the Son of the living God, that He will forgive you and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. I'd like to lead you in a prayer of repentance. I'd like to lead you in a prayer of connectivity, dedication, and making Him the Lord of your life. If that's you, you say, Pastor, you're talking to me. I'm not a Christian. I'm away from God. I want to come home or I want to become a Christian. Would you let me pray with you? I'm not going to call you forward. I don't need to point you out. In fact, i got every head is bowed and every eye is closed because this is a deep, deep, eternal decision that you need to make. The Bible says, do not make that decision haphazardly. If you want God today, if you want to repent of your sins and make him the Lord of your life, I want to lead you in a prayer of repentance. No one's looking around. If that's you, would you just lift your hand and say, Pastor, that's me. Pray for me. I need to be right with the Lord. God bless you. Yes, ma'am. Yes, sir. Anybody else? Pray for me. Thank you. Anybody else? I see you. This is awesome. This is me, you, and Jesus. Thank you, sir. He's going to forgive you. Yes, sir. You, you, even now, washing you clean. Father, touch their hearts. Draw them closer to you. Yes, ma'am. Anyone else? Pastor, pray for me. It's time. I want God in my life. Amen. You can put your hands down. Now I'm going to lead you in a prayer, a prayer of repentance, a prayer of dedication, a confessing of our sins and giving ourselves to him. In fact, I'd like everyone in the audience to pray out loud alongside of those who are calling on Jesus and making him the Lord of their life. I want you to repeat this prayer like this. And guys, you lifted your hand. I want you to mean it with all of your heart. Say it like this. Say, Jesus, a little bit better. Jesus, today I admit I'm a sinner. I recognize I've sinned against you, but I ask you now to forgive me, to wash me, make me clean. Jesus, I am yours. Thank you that my name is written in your Lamb's Book of Life. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Jesus, I love you. You are the love of my life, and I'll serve you forever. In Jesus' name. Would you keep your head bowed for just a moment? Father, I pray for those who lifted their hand, who cried out to you. God, I pray right now they would feel peace. <laughs> the elephant has been removed from the room. They're no longer your enemy. They're no longer the one who's resisted you, but they accepted you today. Jesus, thank you for your forgiveness. May peace and enjoy, God. Joy in knowing, you know what? I may not be perfect, but I'm forgiven. And in the days to come, when maybe they stumble or fall or realize that that's sin, and the enemy begins to tell them in their mind, ha ha, see, 
you're not really a Christian. They say, whoa, 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 wait a minute. Shut up, Satan. I am. I'm a son of God. I'm a daughter of the Most High God. And yes, I don't have it all figured out. And yes, I still stumble and fall. But I'm his forever. Jesus, let these truths win out over all the lies. And we call it as so in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen.